Welcome to another episode of the So To Speak podcast. I'm your host, Christy Mandor. If you have ever asked yourself one of the most popular questions when it comes to high achieving, which is what would it look like to live the full expression of who I am? You are in the right place. So what would it look like to live the full expression of who I am? This question is all about self-actualizing and reaching your full potential. And really, it's a burning question that has been on the mind of so many, no matter if you are in the spiritual world or the personal development world or the leadership world. It is something that oftentimes keeps us up at night because we wonder, are we on the right path? Are we really doing what we truly want to be doing? Or have we completely been blinded by societal expectations? And if you're someone who's a high achiever, it's very, very easy to fall into the grips of societal expectations and completely lose yourself. You hit all of the metrics that are quote unquote, the right way to do it. And then oftentimes you can still feel hollow inside. So today, I'm so excited to continue the special series of Create Like a Mother with Kena Paranjape. Kena is not just an empowerment coach and speaker and founder of All You Are and host of the Be All You Are podcast. She is a guiding light for high achieving women at the pivotal midlife point. She helps them unleash their dormant dreams, those dreams that have gotten so much dust collected on them from doing what they feel they should be doing that they forgot what they even were. And sometimes they even forgot who they were. And Kana helps these women who are the powerhouses. You know, you may be one of them. You've conquered mountains, but you still seek the elusive fulfillment. Kana is your girl. She is the real deal. She's so down to earth, open hearted, and she creates a safe space like nobody's business. You will soon see why so many women turn to her for guidance. During our conversation, Kana shares her story of resilience, both personally and professionally. She discusses why many women in midlife feel stuck, so you are so not alone if you've been feeling that way, and explains how she helps them break free. We'll also talk about how embracing the joy of meandering can spark your intuition, which is super fun. So get ready for some down-to-earth inspiration, and to learn more about Kana, feel free to check out the show notes below where you can follow her on Instagram. You can check out her website at allyouare.ca. And also Kana has a three-day free workshop coming up this week. So definitely be sure to check that out so that you can learn more about Kana and gain some tools to allow yourself to really get clear and confident about what it is that truly lights you up. It's for sure a super inspiring conversation. And when you are done, if you find any value in this, please share it with someone else who you feel may also find value in it. And be sure to rate and review because it is super helpful in getting the podcast out to other people who also need it. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Kana Paranjape. Welcome to the So To Speak podcast. I'm Christy Mandor, and I'm so glad you found your way here. As an energy leadership and mindset coach, I work with high achieving leaders and entrepreneurs to support them in getting out of their heads and back into doing the meaningful work that lights them up. In this podcast, you're going to be hearing conversations with leaders, creatives, entrepreneurs, trailblazers, and change makers who share their stories and strategies that help them to continue on when the inevitable mental quicksand comes to take them down. My hope is that by listening in on each episode, you leave feeling less alone and more relieved, reset, and reconnected with yourself and a possible shift in perspective that supports you in reigniting your passion and unwavering dedication to doing the work you came here to do. I'm glad you're here. Chances are, if you are of the human race, you've had the desire to write a book. And chances also are high that the idea left your mind as soon as it arrived. You're so not alone. Upwards of 80% of Americans say that they want to write a book. And those who actually start, guess how many see it through to completion? 3%. actually see it through and only 1% see it published. There are many reasons for this. 
one of which is that they didn't have the right support system to guide them through every step of the way. Lucky for you, our friends over at Scripture Publishing Group have given So To Speak listeners $250 off their From Polished to Print package. This is the golden enchilada of book writing to help you take your dream and see it published. The link to cash in there is in the show notes below. And if you're wondering where to even start, go ahead and give Kelly a call. She's happy to guide you towards the best direction to take. And you can book that call over at scripterpublishinggroup.com. And while you're there, be sure to take a look at their latest offering of a writing retreat in Ireland, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, so I hear, June 23rd to the 29th, 2024. Again, all of that can be found down in the show notes below. Happy, happy writing. Yeah, I w- so I was just saying just before we jumped on here, I love how grounding your energy is and when I first met you too, I felt that like you have such a peaceful, beautiful presence and you and I were so drawn to each other and it was very, I won't speak for you, but I will say for me, it was a cool moment of like, I felt like I had met you before. Really? You hadn't said that to me before, like in our previous conversations, but I feel the same way. And it's so weird because it's like a room full of women and they're all wonderful. They all have amazing energy. It's like, it's not like, you know, and, but somehow I remember like seeing you and this has happened to me before with people where I'm just like, there's something about her. Like there's something, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I felt the exact same thing about you. It's so funny. Isn't that funny how that happens? Because I I don't know. And I have to say too, I love the fact that we were in a room full of women because we were at a retreat in Florida and it was this beautiful setting. And there were at least 50 women in there. And I've spoken to other women who have were on the retreat too. And there was such a genuine sense of respect. That's the word that keeps coming to me. It was kind of like, we all were showing up for ourselves in this slightly vulnerable way, very vulnerable to a degree, but vulnerable just to go and show up because so many of us went by ourselves. Mm -hmm. But then there was this respect of like, you might not be my speed and I still love and respect you. And there was no, there was no static. There was no um, silo, anything going on. It was just a very open, expansive space of like, I get that you're resonating with this feel over here. And I get that I'm resonating more with this feel over here. And I, I would love to just jump in there because you are among other things, you're a mom, you're uh, an entrepreneur. I can't wait to share the work that you're doing. You're a podcast host, which we'll get into as well, but there's so much talk about like women are so against women. And and then it goes to the other extreme of like women supporting women, which is wonderful. But I feel like sometimes we make such a big thing about it. I'm going to probably get a lot of pushback on that because, but at the same time, I don't think it needs to be so, um, like such a, such a topic. I feel like if we minimized it a little bit and just showed up from a place of how, how we want to feel reciprocated, Yes. I'm having such a hard time finding my words. No, right but now. I know what you mean. It's like, why is it such a thing that we like can be like, and I it's, I'm using your words, but like have this yeah. presence with each other. Right. It's like, why is it that such a thing? Right. That, yeah. that we can have a conversation about it. That's what I mean. Like, and I feel like it's exacerbated. That's the word I keep thinking. Like, I feel like it's, ex- I feel like people go in, they expect like, women are so a group of women together or women are so fill in the blank. And I always get so triggered by that because I'm like, it's not all women like, yeah. And there also are men that do that. And there are also, you know, it's human for us to like go into our defense mode, but some women sure. But when there's this generalization that is so dripping with so much heaviness, I get so pissed off because I'm like, why are we exacerbating that? Why don't we just go in and have a different lens on. Cause if we have a mm-hmm. lens on that, we're going to be rejected by another woman, or we're going to be judged by another woman. We're setting ourselves up to prove ourselves. Right. That's right. 
That's right. You know, that's so interesting. And I, it, it like brings up two things for me. One is this idea that like, you know, when you're younger and, and now we are changing that, like, you know, through our own parenting and everything, but like when you're younger, there's such an emphasis placed on being pretty and being nice and being like, you know, like attractive to other people, not even necessarily to the other sex. And so there's a feeling of competition that goes like alongside that right so there's this like embedded feeling of like well I need to be prettier or smarter or more popular right and I think we've done a lot of unlearning I know that from our conversations we've done a lot of unlearning around that but I think that that's one thing that has sort of set us up to and I feel the same as you when I walk into a room of women I don't feel any of that anymore I feel like oh I'm I'm with my peeps like it's like you know just this like feeling. Um, but I think that's where some of it started. And then in the more in the working world, I've had a lot of conversations with women um, recently about how they felt that, um, especially when they look ahead to like women who sort of come as, up as leaders over the past like few decades, that they had a sense that they needed to um, like basically play the man's game in order to win as a leader. Right. And so there's this sense again of like, there's only so many spots for women at this boardroom table of men. And so I need to show up a certain way. And it usually involves kind of like mimicking the way the men are showing up in order to get that spot. And so I'm going to get it over you. And I can remember being young and looking up to some of the women leaders and thinking, I don't want to lead the way you lead. Right. And then when I would find somebody who was like authentic and real and like led, even though sometimes it hurt that person, like they didn't get promoted as easily. They weren't, you know, said to have executive presence, you know, because they they didn't like act the way a man would act in a leadership position. Um, but like it felt more true to me. I'm like, you're showing up as yourself. You're leading with heart. You know, you are leading with presence. Um and I think that all of those mixed messages have sort of caused us to feel that way at times, but it's changing. And I think like through our own parenting, it's going to be vastly different with our own daughters. I agree. And, and speaking to that too, going to the work that you do, you're helping it change in that direction and, and moving the needle in that direction through so much of the work that you do. I want you just to share with everybody your story, like how you even got into the specific, maybe first start with like what specifically you do, and then we can reverse it to like how you got into it. Sure. Yeah. So, um, my company that I do all of this under is all you are. And really what it is, is about empowering, inspiring through community, um, for women to step into all they are, right? And so it very much ties to what we were just talking about, like loving all parts of yourself and um, and having clarity around what you really want, having the confidence to kind of go for that and believe that it's possible for you and the courage to take the path less traveled, you know? And so I do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching and also through group programs. And more specifically, I've been working with women who are sort of approaching midlife, right? Who have checked a lot of boxes, have seen a lot of success, but they're wondering, wait, is this all there is? Like, I feel like I'm meant for more. I feel like I have gifts inside of me that I've like barely shown a light on. And um, is there a path for me to do that? Or am I just stuck here? And so I work with women to say, to show them that like, show them what is possible for them, you know, and, and um, give them the permission, you know, because sometimes we often say this, like, why do we feel like we need permission? But sometimes we do feel like we need permission, you know? Um, to pursue that path, right? And, and to open up to what that could look like. And then I also work specifically with female entrepreneurs. So I have a mastermind program and um, having been an entrepreneur myself for many years, um, I lead women through that same exercise, but with sort of more of a business element. Yeah. Could you go into, so I would love, I love everything that you do. I just think, and again, it's also your, it's your energy and your presence is so trusting and grounded and open. Thank you, Christy. Like those are the three, like I could just could feel it immediately. There's such an authentic 
genuine presence that you just are, that you just offer and -hmm. you embody. And so who wouldn't want to be around that and how lucky for people who are able to be with you and also hear about you and learn from you. And we'll get into your podcast and all that stuff too. So people can learn more, but I would love for you to go more into a mastermind. Like we hear that often. Some people Mm -hmm. may have like a vague idea, but like what, I I don't even know if I fully know what a mastermind is. So when you're speaking specifically with what you're doing, what differentiates it from like your group work? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, a mastermind is really about bringing all those gifts, like we talked about to the table and the experience and the wisdom and giving space for someone to bring forth a challenge that they're having in their business, or it could be, it's not always in their business. It could be like a mindset thing that they just can't get past or something that they feel is holding Mm -hmm. them back. And then the minds and hearts, it should be called like a master heart. (laughs) It doesn't set quite at the same ring though. Um, But they, they, um, they contribute from their own experience. Right. And so um, like, whether it's like business experience that they've been through before, but it's really this collective, like you're not solving this problem on your own. We're helping. Yes. You nailed it with collective. That made sense to me. Yes. That made sense to me. And, and more of a contribution, like they're sharing their stories too, whereas in a group, they're, they're more connected in a collective of learning from the facilitator, from the speaker, and they may contribute, but they're, this is more of like a level playing field. That's right. Yeah. So in my mastermind, the way I do it is we do have like a program component first where I actually walk through like some concepts or, you know, you came to speak to my group um, and we kind of do some exploratory work on those concepts. It might be some journaling prompts um, or I might just have them like discuss something together and lead that discussion. And then the second half of our um of our hour together. We have two hours together. So the second half is focused on like masterminding, as I say. What do you feel is the biggest hurdle that you notice? Like maybe there's some sort of a theme mm-hmm. or a pattern that you notice that women at midlife, like within that age, what are the thoughts that create hurdles in their mind from moving forward? Are you noticing like anything like yes. this up all the time? Yes. Oh my goodness. With women in midlife, I think it is the sense of feeling a little bit trapped, you know, and it's, um, it's sometimes surprising. Actually, it's often surprising to me because again, um, the women that I work with, they have accomplished a lot, right? Like they are leaders in their families at work, um, you know, educated, they've done a lot of things And yet they feel like, oh my gosh, scared to change their LinkedIn profile to say that they're not working right now, right? Like scared of like how people perceive them taking time off or trying something new, like how will they be judged, right? Or feeling over-identified with their role. Like, so if I take VP away, who am I? Like, what is my value, right? And but at the same time, there is also this calling that like, but I don't want to be chasing that anymore. I don't want to like, yes, maybe you do want to mm. become a CEO and that's great if that's what you want. But um, but if that's not what you want, then what is next, right? And it is sort of almost like a coming home to yourself, right? Like it's, it's like for so much of our lives, we've followed the path that someone else has said, if you follow this path, you will be safe, you will be successful. And then you do that. And you're like, I'm not sure that I feel more safe. And maybe I have success on paper, but I don't feel that sense of success, Mm -hmm. you know? And I would say that's the biggest challenge that a lot of women come to me with. Totally. And and so it sounds like I love, I don't love that they feel trapped, but I love that it's a visual of like giving into societal expectations Mm -hmm. and fear of judgment and then being true to themselves and not knowing how to toggle that, right? Like you find that because so much of what I heard you say too, is like safe is one thing and Mm -hmm. they could follow all the metrics and hit them all or stay within that space. And there's like a vacant, this is where I feel like our work crosses over because Mm -hmm. There's like a hollowness there. There's, yes. there's a lack of fulfillment. So they may feel safe, but then they're not, there's not a filling. So it's like a container that's empty almost. 
I love that analogy. That's exactly it. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's like they have like the house and they have all the structures set up, but on the inside, there is this emptiness and there is a lack of fulfillment and there's a longing. I feel like it be, it turns into this longing of like, what would it feel like if I was like, you know, living as a full expression of who I am? And I think that is, it takes a lot of support to explore those questions. I don't think that anybody totally. can figure that out on their own. I don't and think we're supposed we. to. Nor should, no. exactly, exactly. I'm so with you. Like we're not supposed to. And so I feel like the more that we can be honest that we are in these spaces of feeling, and it doesn't even have to be so extreme one or the other, but we're in this entanglement. And I mm -hmm. love that word longing. It's, it's such a beautiful word. And it's so mm -hmm. resonant to so many people, that feeling of like knowing that there's something more inside of you yes. and not necessarily knowing which way to go. And so being able to have the support around you and being able to really, I, I say this so frequently, but the coaching market is so saturated yes. and first it can feel really overwhelming, especially if you're a coach, you can feel like, oh, I'm getting lost in the noise. How do I reach the people I want to reach? But there's something so beautiful about that because then people have options to truly meet someone that resonates with yes, them. That's right. Because that's, that's right. how you're really going to be able to gain the support that you want, even if you don't know fully what it is, like there might be that moment. Do you have women come to you who are like, I know I want support. I just don't know. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't know. It's kind of murky still, but I feel like I, I do need someone to help. Like, does that ever come up? Yes. A lot. Like, and they don't, it's like, you don't know what you need sometimes. Right. Yes. I think that that's a very common thing. And, you know, it's fun for me to help women in this way because I've been there, right? Like I've made that same transformation and even work moving into the more of a coaching role or coaching environment was a stretch for me. I spent 20 years working in retail and merchandising and for a lot of big brands. And, um, and, you know, I say that's like what's on my LinkedIn profile. And then I went through some major personal transformations with uh, uh, my first husband, um, becoming very ill when I was 30 and then passing away eight years later when we were both 38 and what that whole decade was like for me um, and coming through that. And, you know, one of the things that I think, even for me, um, bringing it back to the to women who are thinking like, you know, maybe I want to show up differently at my work. Maybe I actually want to like start in a whole new industry. Maybe I want to be at home with my kids because I've been working my ass off climbing the corporate ladder and I actually just want to be present for them. Like whatever it is that you want, right? But to go for that. And for me, having come from this corporate and, you know, entrepreneurial world and moving into this space, I had a lot of imposter syndrome, which we all do when we're doing something new. Um, but it wasn't until I actually started doing it that I got the feedback from people that like, Kena, the reason why we want, want to work with you is because you have done all these things. You have been through all these things. And, you know, like I've worked with some amazing coaches who were therapists most of their career and then switched to a coach uh, to being a coach and I've worked with them and they're amazing but for some of these women they're like I actually wanted to you over that because you bring something else to the table that I can relate to but if I had never taken that leap to do it I wouldn't have received that feedback you know anyway that was a long <laughs> a bit of a circular um commentary but I just thought it was like interesting, you know, it was so clear. It was so, <laughs> so clear. And I love you talking about that because I feel like so many times people are scared to take the risk. And we yes. hear that so often. I really can't get enough of it. Like enough of stories of people. Okay. You were scared to take the risk, share your story on how you did it. Because yes. we, I, I want that, like filling the airwaves as much as possible mm -hmm. because Talking about it and intellectualizing it is one thing, but truly hearing someone else's story and yeah. then having that give you the fuel to then do it yourself in your own way is yes. how you move through it so that you can experience and, and get past those hurdles and those blocks, whether they're mental or whatever's happening, right? Yes. So you were talking about imposter syndrome and I would love to know, but you, and you, and yet you still went forward. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what part does intuition play 
and guiding and helping and supporting and anchoring and all the above when your mind can start playing like super tricks, many tricks on you. Mm-hmm. What part does intuition, if at all for you play? Intuition now have, plays a primary role in my life, but I think for a long time, like for a lot of people, it was, um, it felt like a nagging, annoying voice, right? Like <laughs> it, it, there's a point I, and I think that this is one of the pow- most powerful things that we can teach our kids is that you have an intuition and, and like get them to start using it from a very early age, right? And to like, know that you have some, you have an internal voice that you can count on, right? And it's there for you. Um, Because I think I didn't have that awareness. And throughout my journey, my intuition would speak up, but would often say things that didn't align with what other people were saying, right? Or what like, just like the kind of uh, common path would say that you should follow. And so I found it annoying. I was like, I don't want this. I don't want this voice. I don't want to listen, like be quiet, stop, you know? And it wasn't until I was almost forced to start listening to my intuition because I really couldn't get the answers, especially after my husband became ill. And, you know, I really couldn't turn to anybody for how do I handle this because nobody had really been through it in that way. And it's, that's when I had it started to go within and actually listen to my intuition and say, okay, I'll listen to what you have to say and then follow through that I started building up a real relationship with my intuition, you know? And now because I've seen how it has served me all these years, um, it is like a primary force in my life, but it was a journey to get there. It, this is so good. I'm just like, I'm all fired up now. <laughs> so what do you, I would love to know, like, what was the nagging voice? What was it saying to you that you didn't want to listen to? Oh, I mean, for years it was saying like, you need to do your own thing and you're meant to do something. And like, you have a voice and you have a way of seeing the world that people need to, to hear. And, um, yeah, like from a young age, I felt that way. But then, you know, we've talked about this, you and I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but like, I also at the same time went through this period as a child where I was like rejected by my peers. And I spent a lot of time just trying to um, get approval and to feel like I belonged. So those two um, experiences didn't necessarily aligned to a place where I felt like I could trust that voice that was telling me like use your voice and 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 speak up for what you believe and follow that thread because you're meant to make an impact right like it's hard to listen to that voice when there's also the voice telling you like make sure everybody likes you and make sure that you know nobody's leaving you out and that you're like seen as you know somebody that everyone loves you know And so trying to listen to both of those voices at the same time um, was kind of pulling me in two different directions until I was ready to uh, fully lean into the voice that was calling me forward. Yeah, it's, it's so, you're so hitting it. It's like, it is so tricky, Mm -hmm. especially at a young age to really discern because what I'm hearing too, is like, it's the intuition, the intuitive voice almost was pulling you away in a way that was going to ostracize you and have you be different when, when we're younger, we totally want to be part of something, right? Whether it be family or peer group, or whatever, and there's safety there. So it seemed from what you're saying, it seemed very much like one or the other. Yes. You had to like sacrifice your safety mm-hmm. for following your authenticity. And we hear that so much, but again, like hearing people's stories around it, like there's this constant overarching of authenticity or approval. Like you got to choose one or the other, you can't have both. So, and there's that sense of the contrast. You and I have spoken about that. And we've spoken about things within um, Abraham Hicks that really resonates with both of us too. And so they talk about contrast so much and we hear it so frequently and contrast is that like my, I would love your your thoughts on how it, how that contrast when you were younger mm-hmm. was actually helping you. Yes. Now. Yes. Oh yeah. That's good. 
I mean, you know, in some ways, I think um, when I think about how that contrast helps me now, I think that being treated in that way when I was young made me want to never treat anybody else like that ever. And I was so cognizant of that. So while there was a sense of wanting to belong, um, it was also like never at sacrificing somebody else, right? And that was like a very big thing for me. And I'd never thought about this before. That's a really good question, Christy. Um, because I remember even, um, you know, in high school, th the reason why I wanted to um, run for student council president in high school I think because I do have this natural tendency towards leadership. I think that that is true. Like that totally. I'm so glad you see that. <laughs> oh my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I think that the second part that drove me, and maybe this is a good thing now that I think about it, maybe the part that really drove me to do it was the sense that I want to like prove something. Like I want to prove that I can be elected. Right. Especially after having all those years where I felt less than. Right. And so, um, you know, I was elected and I felt like I was like, I was really supportive of everybody, all the groups, right? There's so many different groups in high school, right? And that I connected with every one of them. I wasn't a part of just one group. Um, and then years later, I met somebody at a restaurant who had gone to high school with and he was gay. And this was, you know, I don't want to like give away our age. But it was the oh, give it away. I'm turning 45 <laughs> next month, by the way. I know, Everybody wants I know. to send me a birthday present, November 16th. Send it my way. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so this is like the mid nineties and this was like the East coast of Canada. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, it was hard. It was hard for him. And I met him like maybe 20 years later in a restaurant. And he said, um, Kena, the thing I always remember about you is how kind you were to everyone. And I just almost wanted to cry in that moment because I was like, I, I didn't realize, first of all, that I had intended to do that, right? But there was just, I think, this sense that um, I'm never going to make anybody feel the way I felt. Um, and so I think that that did serve me, right? And it, and it served the voice that I have now. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because we were talking about the safety that you feel that, like wanting to feel safe because then you belong. Yeah. When truly the only safety is in your authenticity. Isn't that like the, the like contrast again there that is like, you really only feel safe when you get to be yourself. And that's, and I'm pausing because that's such a it's such an internal feeling. It reminds me of the exercise that I had you in the group do when I was guesting for you about approval versus proving. Yes. Such, and I'm going to throw it in here just for anybody listening who wants to do it now or wants to do it later. You sit with it as long as you would like, but you check in with yourself and you close your eyes, you find a safe, safe space to close your eyes and you ask yourself out loud or in your head, you say to yourself, I should say, I am proving myself. And you just notice what that does to your body because it's going to do something. And then you take a breath to just clear it out. And then you say, I am approving of myself or I approve of myself. And you'll notice a significant difference. And it connects exactly to what you were just talking about mm, with yeah. that sense of safety and authenticity. Yes, that's exactly it. That speaks to it exactly. I love that. I think I need to write about that in my next newsletter. So thank you. <laughs> do it up, do it up. And, and that's where I pause because so much of what we talk about in general, no matter who's talking, we oftentimes rush past how we're feeling from what we're hearing or what we're mm -hmm. offering. And when you can sit with what's happening internally, you have so much more control over shifting things, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're like, oh, I didn't like what was just, oh, I just noticed I do not like what I'm watching. It could be something you're even watching and being able to shut it off has so much power to be able to, where I really love when I'm taking in, what is it about this person? Mm -hmm. And then sitting with that and like closing your eyes and taking it in, you'll mm -hmm. notice where it falls in your body. And it's really mm -hmm. important because it affects us so profoundly and oftentimes we're not even aware of it. So I love you being able to look back and 
see the dots of how that taught you. Like oftentimes when things have happened in our life where we feel rejected or heartbroken, or there's some sort of um, injustice happening, the lesson is usually exactly what you talked about. It's mm -hmm. something about like, so I'm going to take this as a lesson to go forward so that I can then treat people differently than I was treated and use this lesson as a way to also enhance empathy because mm -hmm. now you know what it feels like to be treated that way. And then yeah. this guy saying that to you, your classmate speaking to you about that is such a beautiful tie-in as well. Mm -hmm. Love yes. it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, so I want to shift gears here because I want to make sure that we really target the special series you're a part of called Create Like a Mother. And I would love your perspective on, you know, a big part of the series right now is how creative care is the ultimate self-care, how it creates that sense of what you referenced before of being at home with yourself. Yeah. And, and it really does go really beautifully with what you just said about safety and authenticity, how it's mm -hmm. they're interwoven. It's like the Kundalini, like safety and authenticity are interwoven within us, right? Yes. What anchors us, it's like this beautiful weave of thread that like anchors us with the ground and above. And I would love to know when you're just bringing to mind the idea of creative care or the idea of even the series, like create like a mother, what resonates with you most about the importance of creativity in some way mm -hmm. in your life? What's, what resonates with you about that? Oh my goodness. I think that creativity has, um, been a form of therapy and even almost like a saving grace at many times in my life. I can even think of the time soon after my husband got really sick, we were living in California and we moved back to Canada and I'd started this job that I absolutely did not like. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> excuse me, kind of a soul sucking role. And, um, and so I was balancing, you know, having an ill spouse at home and in this job that I didn't like. And I was like, I need something. Right. And at this time, people were starting to write a lot of blogs, like blogging was becoming a thing. And so I started a blog called in life and in fashion. And this blog became like my outlet. I didn't care. I mean, I was happy if people read it, but I didn't care if they did. I just poured my heart into it, you know? And I remember even like taking the subway to work and in my head in the subway, I'd come up with a whole blog post. I would have like written the whole thing. And so all I had to do was sit down on my computer and just, it would just download. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like to not have that place to direct my energy, that creative outlet to pour my authenticity into at a time when it felt like I could have easily sort of drowned in the situation I was in, you know? Um, so I think, and then I went on to like start businesses that sort of had creativity at their core. And I even actually, it's funny that you brought this up and that you called it create like a mother. I, um, when my daughter was still almost like a newborn, maybe she was six months old. I came up with this workshop concept, unlock your creative potential. And it was all about reminding um, people that we're all creative, right? And that we all have um, the ability to create whether we realize it or not. And so how can we tap into that and make life more joyful through our own creativity? So um, I'm not sure if I answered the question properly, but I do feel like creativity is um, such a critical aspect of well-being. I love how you're you know, checking to see if you answered it properly. Cause so many people are like, I don't know if that I've answered your question. And I love that because there <laughs> is no, there's no answer I'm expecting. It's just, yes. that's the beautiful thing about creativity. And that's why I don't really give more of a prompt. Yes. We oftentimes go and yes, that's true. you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. sure, there's an, a traditional element to creativity. Like people are like, I'm so not creative. And I love when people say that because I always challenge it because everything is creative, every single thing. And sure, there can be more, you can lean more into being a creative thought processed person for sure. Yep. At the same time, there is a sense of when you are creating 
anything, whether it's a company, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's solving a problem, whether yes. it's creating a space in your home, like whether it's creating, you know, a game with your kid, like it doesn't matter. It's there is a universal feeling that rises up in us that yes. everybody can relate to and understand. Mm -hmm. The reason I really focus on the creative care piece is because everything you just shared is so unique to you. So as universal as it is, yes, you know, it's so personal. It's, it reminds me, it's coming to me now, this one, I, I want to say it was Carissa Shoemaker. I think I heard her on Elise Lonin's podcast pulling the thread. And she, she, I believe is the one who shared this, that everybody's story is personal. The lessons are universal. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Right. And so the, yes, it's personal to you, but overarching how you were able to tap into your creativity yes. to help you get through the loss of your husband, to help you then transition into even creating what you created when your daughter was born and then continue to go on, create the companies that you created. Like yes. there is something there that is beyond just generous for others. There's something also that's reciprocal to ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do wonder, is there anything that you do though, that is just for you? Like, and I'm not talking about bubble baths or, you know, yeah, yeah. wonderful, but like, <laughs> I like, is there something creative that you do that is so non-negotiable that you're like, this so fills me up and I feel so whole as yeah. Kenya, period. Yes. I think writing still for me is one of those things. I think that I, um, I feel most like myself when I'm writing and, and it doesn't have to be for anybody's eyes. It could be mm -hmm. just in my journal. I've been keeping a journal since I was a little kid. And, um, and I feel like I get to know myself through the words that come out on the page, right? Cause you're and your journal is a perfect example of that because you're not writing for somebody else. So you're just writing whatever it is that is in your heart or on your mind. And I have really come to know myself and befriend myself at a deeper level through that writing. So that's definitely one. And then I would say, um, <laughs> I would say on a, on a like lighter level, um, one of the things I love doing is just like exploring, like just like exploring new neighborhoods, going to a new coffee shop, checking out like local shops and window shopping or going to a museum. Like I just love that like meandering, right? Yes. Like to me, that sort of meandering activity. And actually you're reminding me that I haven't done that in a while. And I actually love doing that. You know, I get so much out of it. I don't know what it is. I get ideas. I like interact with people. I notice things, you know, I just find it like fills me up in such a simple way. Like it's not like, it doesn't require supplies. It doesn't, you know, require much at all other than me just saying, this is what I'm doing now. Um, and so I think that would be another thing. I love the meandering. So I love that too. And I wonder if you feel the same way. There's something about the meandering that's so adventurous to me. It's like a scavenger hunt. Like yes. what are you going to find? Yes. There's this element of like, you're, you feel there, there's that perfect balance of like, um, novelty, like what's new. And then yes. certainty because yeah. you, you're, you know, you have an idea of where you're going or, you yeah. know, who you are, you have some sense that's like keeping you grounded, but then there's that novelty of like, what am I going to find? I always look at it like a scavenger hunt. Like it's so, yeah. and that's where, do you feel, because I feel like my intuition comes alive when I meander. Do you know? Oh, big you time. Yeah. What is it about that? I don't know. We need to look into that more because I'm with you. Um, I don't know if it's just putting yourself in that environment of like, st like feeling stimulated, but also connection to the people around you. I don't know. I feel, I, I feel like that could be it. And it's coming to me too, is this idea that we're more open because mm -hmm. since we're meandering, we don't have a plan. We don't, we're not like stuck to like, a, here is the agenda. It's just, yes. here's the town. Awesome. Let's just look around the streets. Let's see what store we want to go in. So there's that's more. very like, true. We're open. People. We're yes. open to what may come. And that's what requires to listen to your intuition. You have hundred percent. Yes. Oh, I hope everybody who's listening gets excited to go meander somewhere Yeah. <laughs> when like after they listen to this, because there is something so there is something so thrilling about that. Just kind of like hopping in the car, jumping on the subway, getting off at a random stop 
yeah, obviously somewhere safe. And then (laughs) (laughs) totally awesome. Oh, I love this. Kana. Thank you so much. I, I just want to check in to see, is there anything that is still lingering that you're feeling that this is just needing to come out before we share with everybody where they can learn more about you? Um, I don't think so. No, I think I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I want to know before I let you go, I do want to know if you could share with people, hold on, let me, let me say that again, because I was thinking two things. I want you to share with people about your podcast because I just heard one of your episodes earlier Mm -hmm. and I love the focus that is on what if the, the magical phrase of what if, oh yes. And you had talked about earlier in our conversation about helping women believe what's possible because a lot of times they, they may have certain dreams, but they feel like it's not possible. So like giving them permission to what's possible. What does the phrase, what if have to do with encouraging people to really embrace the possibility of their dreams coming true? What, what's the connection? Look at your eyes. I love it. No, this is why (laughs) I was. Do you want to say hi? I hope you can edit this. (laughs) Oh, what a love. Okay. Don't worry. We're going to have lunch soon. Okay. She's home today. Okay. After this. Yes. After this call. Oh my gosh. What a love. Oh no. That's staying right in. Are you kidding me? That's adorable. (laughs) It'll just be on audio. Her, her picture won't be in it. Yes. Chicken noodle soup. Yes. Chicken noodle (laughs) soup. It sounds delicious. Come on now. Oh my goodness. Yes. Create like a mother. That's another thing, right? <laughs> like right there. You got to create around that. What if your daughter walks in, in the middle of a zoom, that's yes. okay. Then you roll with it. Right. Right. That's you right. roll with it. Um, but yeah, just like that idea I love. And, and again, I love your voice and your podcast. It's so grounding and loving and welcoming. And you feel like you're hanging out with a friend, you know, whether you, I was you know, getting ready. So I was doing my makeup or if you're in the kitchen and you just have this wonderful way about you. But I do want to know, like when people are talking about believe what is possible and then that magical phrase, what if, what is something that you can leave people with or that you've used before when people may be doubting what's possible, they do have a dream, but they doubt the possibility of it. How does the phrase, what if, how can that work for them? Well, I think, you know, I always say that when we're in this sort of uh, liminal space, right? Like this space of we um, are heading somewhere, but we're not quite sure where that is. Like it could be that we have this calling to do something and that's a liminal space, right? Because we have this awareness that we want something that is beyond where we currently are. And we tend to, as a default, fill that space with a lot of fear, right? It's like, we fill it with like worries about like, can I do it? And what if I fail? And, and, and we just tend to fill it with that. And so what I always tell women is to, um, using what if again, like what if you leaned into the possibility more than you leaned into the fear, right? Like not saying that the fear isn't going to go away. Of course, there's always these thoughts of like, of, of what might not work or whatever, but what if you leaned into this possibility of what if it does work out, right? Like what if the, the expansion that's available to me on the other side is so much more than I could even imagine, right? Like what if, I um, feel stronger and more powerful and more aligned in my life. And what's the ripple effects of that? And if we can lean into that and actually start to bring it to life in our minds, then the possibility starts to lead, right? Because otherwise we let the fear lead in those situations and that stalls us. But if we let the possibility lead, then the possibility is in the driver's seat, right? And the fear just kind of sits in the back and we tell it to shut up every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I love that. And so when, when I love letting possibility lead, it reminds me of a quote I heard that was basically saying like, lean into the anticipation over the apprehension. Yeah, I love that. Same type of thing. So when people, so what is one added? Let's just add one additional. So they're leaning into and allowing the possibility to lead. Mm. What is um, a strategy, whether it's a verbal strategy that they say to the fear or an action 
that will allow them to continue to lean into the possibility. Cause at first it may feel really relieving, like, okay, I can do this. And then the fear keeps creeping up or the fear keeps trying to, you know, be a backseat driver. Yes. What is is the strategy that you offer? So one of the things that I did Mm -hmm. actually after my husband passed away, um, I posted this little phrase, um, and I think that phrase may have been in that podcast episode you listened to, but um, the magic of the unknown is around every corner. And I put that phrase on my bathroom mirror because I was in such a period of uncertainty, right? I was 38. My husband had just passed away. I, w- I You're at that age where you feel like there's so much of your life ahead of you, but everything that you had planned for your life is gone right? And so how do I look at the future? And so that phrase, the magic of the unknown lies beyond every corner. I think I said it differently than I did the first time, but you get the gist. The magic of the unknown lies beyond every corner. That phrase made me go out into the world. And if I looked at that before I left the house, right? I'm like going out into the world, expecting that there, there will be magic beyond every corner, right? So being able to go out into that world with that, um, with that belief in my mind allowed me to be open to things, allowed me to notice, allowed me to um, pay attention and to appreciate and to receive things that I might not have if I'd gone out thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening next. I'm so scared, right? And what do you see? It's like what you focus on grows, right? If you, what do you see if you go out into the world with that? So that little phrase really made a huge difference in my life. And I've passed that on to so many people who have done the same thing with similar results, I will add. (laughs) It's so cool. And it just, you know, bringing it all back to the beginning, it, it also is so clear on how it's so helpful with you offering group and, and mastermind sessions for women to be able to have those moments of like, okay, I was leading by possibility and I was letting it lead and fear came in and I didn't know what to do and bringing it in. Then you have all of this other, not added information. You have a support system of options. Yes. And then you get to then tap into your intuition to which one do you want to connect with, which one is really connecting with you. You don't have to take them all. So there's something so beautiful about realizing that you do not nor were you ever meant to do all of this alone. Kana, mm-hmm. you are such a blessing to our world. I'm so grateful to have crossed oh, paths with you. It's just, and I'm so excited because there's so much runway with us. Of, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what's going to happen, but I feel like a collab is somewhere down the road. For sure. For like, sure. So feel that. Like, we'd love to do a retreat with you at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to figure it out, but this mm-hmm. is like the beginning. So yeah. when people want to learn more about you, where can they go? So they can go to my website, allyouare.ca. And then of course, there's my podcast, which is called Be All You Are. So if you look in Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you'll find it in there, Be All You Are. And you can also find me on Instagram. So it's at Kena, K-E-N-A underscore all you are. And that's wonderful. And I'll say this, if you're someone who is wanting a little bit more, especially these days, love and beauty and joy coming through on your feed on Instagram, definitely follow Kana because it's so much light, which is what we need now more than ever. Kana, thank you so much. Thank you, Christy. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the So To Speak podcast. If you found some insight or some useful nuggets in this episode, I want to hear about it. So make sure to connect with me on Instagram, on LinkedIn at Christy Mandor. Also go ahead and share it with anyone else you feel could benefit from the messages in this episode. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw up a rating and a review wherever you're listening in from, which helps significantly in other people learning about the podcast because it takes all of us to get ahead of our heads. I'll see you next week.